The Clock Dodgers podcast is sponsored by No Halftime, the daily fantasy sports app that pins player versus player challenges that you can create with your friends, family, and random challenges that you pick up throughout the app. The No Halftime guys are running a great contest right now where they're actually giving away NFL tickets, two NFL tickets to games each week. Today's contest, or this week's contest, is basically you tweeting at them and telling them who finishes as the best top quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end in fantasy football. You go ahead and get your submissions to them before the game start on Sunday, and they will announce a winner on the 29th. Do not miss out on this, guys. It's free NFL tickets. Besides that, if you want to play on no halftime and you're not already doing it, then you want to use the promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K, when you sign up, and you will get $10 on your account instantly for free, not after you spend millions but upon jillions of dollars um, that they'll match it. They will actually give you the $10 right out the gate so you can enjoy it. Get on there, challenge me. I am always looking for new guys to go against. So please hit me up on there. Download it on your iPhone device, your Android device. Hit up nohalftime.com and follow them on Twitter at nohalftime. Uh, let's make this happen, guys. Let's go. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot cope with them. Can't do it. You play with the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Now locked in to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast. Clock Dodgers Podcast, episode 43 and a half, 43.5, whatever you want to call it. I am your host, Neil. I have Adam on the show with me again today. It's kind of like deja vu. It's actually really deja vu for me and Adam because we had some audio technical difficulties, and so we're going to try to run this back again and hopefully make it through. Adam, last time... I introduced you. You were energetic and good. Now you are probably a little more tired. I already know how you're doing because you're probably frustrated like me. But are you ready to do this? Oh man, you know it. <laughs> yeah, just a little little message to everyone out in the uh, podcasting universe. We just lost about an hour of audio, but holding in strong. Gonna try and bring it to you guys as strong as we were before and. Uh, at least we got a nice Patriots blowout, shutout win tonight, and I'm not even a Patriots fan, but man, was it fun to see for my fantasy team. Yeah, I know. I mean, first of all, for the hour that we lost, this shows our dedication to the Clock Dodger listeners, um, so that's all it shows. It just kind of reconfirms it for you guys. As far as the Patriots blowout, obviously, that gives us a little more to talk about, um, but we're going to try to run through some of these things. So. I wanted to first open up with you um, about players because we, we've kind of dealt with a whole bunch of injuries that have happened here um, just this past week, whether guys are coming back or guys are going on the IR, all kinds of stuff. So I just want to talk to you really quick about some of those guys and how it affects other people and if they're worth it or not for us to waste our time on them. Um, so Gronk came back today. Um, I don't know if you have the stat line in front of you today. Did he do anything at all? Uh, from the last time I looked, he had not done anything at all. Okay. Um, Bennett did it, Bennett, Bennett it, did something, right? Uh, you know, I, I honestly, I was watching the game a little bit before we started, uh, when we originally started recording, it was just after halftime and, and Bennett had been involved, but, uh, you know, he had a red zone target. I remember, but, uh, not, not too much as in regards to, you know, production goes, but, uh, trying to I can, see. Yeah, I was going to say, I can look it up real quick if you're interested. But, uh, but yeah, Gronk seemed like he uh, he was only being utilized as kind of a, uh, 
you know a decoy of sorts yeah more of a decoy than anything else but if anything just like to get him back acclimated to the offense yeah it looks like it looks like Gronk didn't even catch a pass and Bennett only caught two so with him being back though does it does make does it make Bennett um droppable uh, are we not interested in him anymore, or is it increasing Bennett's value? It's basically because I've seen a lot of people dropping him, and I don't know if that's the wrong thing to do or if they're ahead of the curve. Yeah, I think that's definitely the wrong route to take. Um, I think that right now the Patriots are kind of in a situation where, you know, Bill Belichick's the type of coach where he's always going to play to the skill set of his players that are on the field. Um, through these first few weeks, they've been working without Tom Brady, without Rob Gronkowski, so Bennett's had to do a lot more blocking, and he's not able to really showcase his skill set. I think that once they have their full acumen of weapons with Brady there and, and with Gronk as well, that it'll actually open things up for Martellus to be a little bit more of a receiver and to, to do a little bit more. Uh, ultimately, I think Belichick has been... You know, looking to have these two tight end sets that thrive back when he had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. And now he might have that again. Uh, Aaron Hernandez is a very different type of player. He was kind of a move tight end, whereas uh, Martellus Bennett is more of an inline tight end. That being said, I think that it's going to give Gronk the ability to move off the line a little bit more and, and be more of a receiver in the offense, and that's ultimately going to benefit them huge, because as we've seen, LeGarrette Blunt is running really, really well behind this offensive line. I think especially later in the year, they're going to use Blunt a lot, and having those two tight ends up front is going to be huge. So, uh, yeah, I would not be dropping Bennett at all. All right. Uh, I, I agree. I'm keeping Bennett on my team. We'll see how it plays out. Hopefully it gets better because he hasn't done amazing yet, but I still think the best is yet to come for him. Um, another guy that we need to speak about is AP. He wore down even before I thought he would, but I did tell people to stay away this year. That it's just not worth it. Um, McKinnon, Asiata, these are guys that are being picked up left and right in leagues. People didn't know which one to prioritize. Um, Asiata, the guy who, you know, in the past when AP went down was, you know, kind of their go-to. He got a lot of goal line stuff. Um, but McKinnon, the young guy, the up-and-coming guy, talk to me about McKinnon. Is, is this guy something we need to be worried about? Is he a waste of time or is he the real deal? Oh, I mean, he is beyond real deal. If you uh, look at McKinnon's metrics, he displays an athletic profile unlike anyone in the NFL right now. Um, If you go through his metrics, he has a a 100th percentile bench radius, meaning for his weight and for his position, he was able to bench press uh, the 225 pounds 32 times, which is insane. This guy's insanely strong. Uh, you know, he is above 90th percentile agility, burst, 40-yard dash. He is just a freak when it comes to athletic ability. We've yet to be able to see it translate onto the football field because his usage numbers have just been increasingly low over the course of his career. Um, this is his third year in the NFL right now. The only year that he really saw usage was in his first season where Peterson missed the majority of the season. But as a rookie, they utilized Asiata a lot more. I think that they're going to phase Asiata out. Uh, I'm sure Asiata will still get work in short yardage and goal line situations. But I think McKinnon's ability as a pass catcher and his explosive ability is really going to make him an exciting player to watch and, and a guy who I've been, I mean, I I would say targeting on waiver wires, but he hasn't been on the waiver wire in any of my leagues because I've owned him in every <laughs> single league 
Except for one, uh, the only league that I didn't own him in is probably the league I probably should have owned him the most in, which is the Scott Fishbowl, because I owned Adrian Peterson. And now I'm hurting without AP, and I have no McKinnon to feel excited about. But you are a top 10, man. Top 10. Yeah, can't be too sad. week two. Everybody remember this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to make sure I note to grab or try to trade McKinnon before I release this podcast, because... After you just said all that, I don't think anyone who's in a league with me is going to trade with me. But that's okay. Um, Another guy um, that just went down is Abdullah. Obviously, you know, the Lions offense is is probably going to be run as far as the running game or, you know, the pass and running in the same same stance with these guys um, is likely that um, Riddick will be used more there in this case now. But still at the same time, um, you know, Dwayne Washington is a guy that a lot of people are picking up, that a lot of people are talking about. And so you got to assume the guy carries a lot of value, or, or maybe not, you know. Um, but I feel kind of good about him. The offense has proved that it can handle two, um, two running backs. What do you think about Washington and Detroit? Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Washington is a guy who I think a lot of fantasy analysts have been on, a lot of people in the fantasy community are talking about, because he did come in while Abdullah was out last week and, and showed some things that were promising. Um, my problem with Dwayne Washington is he doesn't fit a need that the Lions have based on his skill set. If you look at Theo Riddick, he's going to go into that primary role, but he lacks between the tackles ability. He's kind of a space runner who is extremely efficient in the passing game. We saw him lead all running backs last year with 80 plus receptions. And Dwayne Washington is kind of a player who looks more like Theo Riddick than he does LeGarrette Blunt, if that makes sense. So he's not complimentary in a lot of ways to Riddick's abilities. Uh, if you you know look at his metrics, uh, a website that I utilize a lot for, for metrics analysis is playerprofiler.com. And on there, they have this awesome uh, best comparable on there, which I think helps quantify players' abilities a little bit for for layman's because it gives you a player that, oh, this guy is similar to that we kind of know a little bit more about. And his best comparable is Javorius Allen of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who's a guy who I I love coming out of college and was really excited about. But the reason I was really excited about uh, Javorius Allen is because he went into a role on a Mark Tressman offense where... They, you know, Mark Trussman has this history of utilizing pass catching running backs very efficiently. And Javoris Allen was a very exciting prospect to be that pass catching running back. Dwayne Washington fits more into that mold than he does a between the tackles runner, which doesn't really fit the need that the Lions have right now. What the Lions need is somebody more similar to a guy who is on their roster who be interesting to see down the road if he gets an opportunity, which is Zach Zenner, who a lot of um, metrics guys and, and a lot of film guys have been excited about for years, but has never really done much at the NFL level. And it'll be interesting to see if Dwayne Washington kind of fizzles out because, you know, this is a guy who, you know, he went to Washington, he was a seventh round pick. He's not someone who just jumps off the page at you. So he's not someone that I'm really afraid of. And for that reason, he's not someone I'm really targeting as a pickup. 
Well, I'm just, 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 just curious. I don't want to interrupt you, but why do you think Washington is the name being talked about? If Zenner is the guy, and I, and I know what you're talking about, like especially in the, you know the preseason and before the season started, you know going into people preparing for the drafts, they did talk about Zenner a lot. But why is he not the name coming up now? Is it just because Washington's the new name, or is it is there a reason for it? Well, Zenner was inactive, um, so I think that's a big part of it, and I think that we'll see this. Uh, I'll talk about this a little bit in regards to Carolina as well. Um, as far as running back activity goes, as far as whether a guy's active or not, it can have a lot to do with what else they do on the offense. So in the case of Dwayne Washington, he is a special teams asset. So when you have Theo Riddick and you have Amir Abdullah, you're not looking to have a third running back who can't fulfill other needs on the offense, or I'm sorry, as far as the team needs go. Uh, in this particular situation, Dwayne Washington was a guy who had a role on special teams, so he found his way into the offense. Uh, as far as him as a comparable to Zach Zenner, why people might be getting a little bit more excited about him, he he showed some things last week. You know, he he showed that he has good burst. He showed that you know he has this ability to to work well in space, and I think that he you know he's not a guy who. Um, thinking has absolutely no chance but like i said he just doesn't really fit the need that they're showing that they have there right i got you all right so washington maybe um but keep an eye on zenner either way um but again there's a hole there to be filled so hopefully somebody can fill it besides just reddick um coleman broke his hand for the browns um josh gordon isn't back yet um all the quarterbacks are hurt except a rookie prior do we care about him you know, I uh, I think that it just has to suck right now to be a Browns fan, just like it has for the entirety of the life of a Browns fan. Um, but, <laughs> but with that being said, I mean, this is a rough one. You're on your third quarterback in three games. You just lost your best player in this rookie star who, you know, if anybody was going to be able to salvage Cody Kessler as a quarterback, it was Corey Coleman. Because Corey Coleman is a guy who at Baylor, had this ability to catch the ball really close to the line of scrimmage. And he was a great yards after the catch guy. So when you have this rookie quarterback coming in who lacks experience, who is probably at best going to compare it to like a Ryan Tannehill, Alex Smith quarterback who doesn't throw the ball downfield, plays a lot of things close to the line of scrimmage, Corey Coleman was his best asset. Uh, in turn, the guy that you referenced, Terrell Pryor, is the exact opposite. He's a guy who has an explosive nine route who was going to be exciting to see with RG3 because RG3 has this history of being able to throw the long ball. When you lose that, then you had Josh McCown, who also has a history of being able to kind of throw the long ball. So it was exciting that he had this potential prospect. Now you've got Terrell Pryor with a uh, rookie quarterback and i'm thinking that terrell Pryor as a wide receiver is not super interesting however somebody did mention on twitter the outlandish prospect of Pryor getting some quarterback reps and i think that would be so fun to see if nothing else it would sell tickets in cleveland which is something that they probably struggle with regularly yeah and it, it would be a a tip of irony <laughs> like uh you know with, with the fact that Pryor wanted to be a quarterback everywhere else Nobody wanted him to be a quarterback because they just felt like maybe it's not for you, kind of like the Tim Tebow thing. Um, he finally gave in, says, I'll be a wide receiver, and now the team that he's on needs a quarterback. 
<laughs> so it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, they, they played with the idea today, like, oh, Edelman is going to be the backup quarterback. You know, like, what if he gets some snaps at quarterback? Like, you know, maybe they might try it with Pryor. But then again, who's going to be a wide receiver if Pryor's the quarterback? <laughs> I don't think Kessler could do it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, some of the other guys I just want to get through really quickly is uh, Jonathan Stewart's out. Uh, you got Cameron Artis Payne, Fozzie Whitaker. Uh, I'm not a fan of either guy. You never know which way they're really going to lean. Uh, you know, Cam Newton uh, hurts his, his running backs, you know, a little bit. Uh, wasting our time here. I mean, to me, on this whole list, they're wasting our time more than anybody. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely wasting our time. It, it reminds me very much so of the Dwayne Washington, uh, Zach Zenner sort of situation, except for, you know, one of these guys is going to get the lion's share of the carries while Jonathan Stewart's out. But like you said, I mean, when you have Cam Newton as your quarterback, the biggest issue with Cam Newton is he doesn't do the two things that help fantasy running backs the most, meaning he doesn't hand off to his running backs in the red zone very often because he can run it in himself, and he doesn't check down ever to his running backs in the passing game. So if you're not catching passes and you're not getting red zone carries, what are you good for for me? You're basically just a guy who's hoping to get the bulk of carries, and when you have Cameron Arthur's Payne and you have Fonzie Whitaker, they're probably not going to give either one the lion's share of the carries. So for me, it's a total avoid. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, I do think that Cameron Artis Payne is going to be the guy who gets the majority of the carries there. Uh, Fozzie Whitaker was in last week, but he was in, like I was saying, with Dwayne Washington because he's a special teamer and he fit that role more efficiently. Uh, and Cameron Artis Payne was inactive because of that. Um, but if anything, I bet you Mark Tolbert's going to get some touchdowns along the way. And it's just going to be a total mess for any time that Jonathan Stewart misses. So. The Carolina backfield's a total avoid for me. Yeah, cool names, not good fancy players. What can you do, man? But Fozzie shouldn't be, you know, upset. He's still Fozzie regardless of whether we start him or not. A waka waka. A waka waka. <laughs> um, the last two guys I want to throw out there, Moncrief, a guy who shot up everybody's draft boards. Um, you know, he's hurt. He's out for, I believe it was like four to five weeks possibly. I don't know if it was more or not. Um, but Dorset, the name everybody's talking about. You know, stepping up, people liked him even with Moncrief there as far as big playability. But right now with Moncrief out, um, is Dorsett wasting our time or is he legit? Oh, no. Dorsett, I think he's definitely legit. I mean, he's a guy who a lot of people were excited about just coming into this year because he he does a lot of exciting things on the football field. Um, the problem is that there's already a Philip Dorsett on the Indianapolis Colts, and his name is T.Y. Hilton. Oh, they're, that guy. <laughs> yeah, right? They're, they're the same player in a lot of ways, and I think that a lot of people brought this up when they drafted Dorsett, and I think that you know they've kind of shown that they have very similar abilities. Both have really deep uh, yards per reception, and both have very low catch rate. You know, both guys sit around the 50% mark and catch rate. And the nice thing about Dante Moncrief in that offense was he kind of is that prototypical big body wide receiver who's going to be reliable on third downs, who's going to get you those first downs, who's going to keep moving the chains. Now they don't really have that. So I think Dorsett's going to get a boost just in usage. But I see him as more of like a boom bust sort of wide receiver three flex guy who... Don't get me wrong, I love having him in my lineups because when he booms, he'll be this guy who wins me weeks. But that being said, I think that there's going to be a hole to fill there in regards to 
a reliable pass catcher. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, Andrew Luck gravitates to the tight end position, which he has shown he kind of likes. And what we've seen in other positions over the first two weeks of the league is there are teams that are gravitating towards their tight end as their number one target option. Uh, Atlanta's doing it with Jacob Tammy, oddly enough. Uh, Baltimore's doing it with Dennis Pitta. And I think it'll be interesting to see if the same sort of thing develops, maybe not with just one, but maybe broken between Jack Doyle and Dwayne Allen. And it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if those guys get the uptick in targets rather than Dorsett simply because of what they're able to do from a reliability standpoint, whereas Dorsett and T.Y. Hilton are still going to be the big play guys who do those really spectacular things that get people out of their seats and screaming at their TV screens that they're all excited about. But on that, you know, every down basis of who's going to be reliable for Luck, I think he's going to have to turn to his tight ends because uh, Gore's not catching anything on the backfield and uh, – Dorsett and Hilton are, are big play wide receivers who aren't reliable on an every every down basis. Absolutely. Yeah, Doyle's my guy this week. I've been picking him up everywhere. Um, you know, especially because Moncrief's out. I think he'll do all right. Good, decent matchup. Um, so if he's a guy that's on your waivers, I, I highly um, suggest giving him a shot. The last name, as far as injuries go, is Jamal Charles. Obviously not injured, but coming back from injury. Um, my concern is where um, Spencer Ware. You know, saved a lot of people the first week. Um, I know, I know, halftime a lot of people bet um, bet against him and lost. Um, and so, you know, how much is he going to hurt from you know Jamal Charles coming back? Um, are we going to be wasting our time with Spencer Ware in the future here? Um, you know, the nice thing about Spencer Ware's situation with Jamal Charles is that Jamal Charles is a running back who, throughout his career, has been able to do a lot on a little amount of touches. Um, he is prolific in the sense that he has one of the best yards per carry average in the history of the NFL. Uh, he has a 5.5 yards per attempt average uh, as a rusher, which is just outstanding. Uh, it's really unheard of. And because of that ability, he doesn't need to have these huge amount of touches. And especially coming back off of injury, I don't expect them to give him a ton of touches, especially at first. I think what we're going to see is kind of a phasing out of Spencer Ware and a phasing in of Jamal Charles, but I think it'll be a slow churn where over these next few weeks, Spencer Ware is definitely going to be more viable. And then you're going to kind of have to reassess um, because the big thing for Ware is going to be whether or not he can be effective on a limited amount of touches. Because what we've seen is that he can be effective with a big amount of touches, but if he's working as kind of a complement to Charles, right. it's going to be a much different role. And as we've seen from some other guys in the league, uh, such as like an Isaiah Crowell, there are certain players who have to get a large amount of touches to be successful. And then there's other guys like Jamal Charles who don't and can be successful on an, uh, you know, a small amount of touches. So um, yeah, it's one of those situations that we're going to have to see how it develops. But I think initially where's still going to be a good guy to start, but he might get phased out of your lineups as time goes on. And it might be a situation where, you know, I don't really know if he's going to be a guy that you could trade very well because everybody's kind of going to know what you're doing. You might just have to ride it out with him and, and, you know, see what it becomes. Ultimately, if you have where you drafted him with this being the best case scenario, Jamal Charles misses time and he gets a few starts that that was the best case scenario. So for me as a, where owner, you've already gotten 
the most of what you were kind of, well, I shouldn't say the most, but the most you could hope for, I guess, is probably right. a better way to put it. And anything beyond this is just gravy. So if, you know, you do have that situation where Charles comes back, he's not 100% and you still get the flex wear, that's awesome. But he might get phased out of your, your starting lineup as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, you've already kind of gotten your return on your investment where if, you know, you drafted him. Um, so, you know, whether you can trade him, uh, whether you just want to kind of keep him there as a safety valve in case, you know, Charles goes down again, or you got some sweet matchup where you need a flex and you're in a kind of a, a bind. Um, he's definitely not someone you want to drop. So i um, not a waste of our time, but maybe on borrowed time. Um, all right. So, I mean, that's it for most of the big injuries, the guys that are coming back from injuries that, you know, may affect some guys. Um, you know, we, we the, the most important one, or at least, actually the least important ones were the, were the Carolina running backs, um, the Cleveland wide receivers. Um, I still I got a little thing for Washington, man. I still think he's going to be better. Um, you like McKinnon a lot. Um, so we'll see. But there's some definitely some names there to, to kind of spend your time with and some to just kind of, you know, unless you got some extra time, kind of ignore them. Um, I do want to jump over to Fantasy Trade Blackjack. It's something that me and you didn't get to do on the last episode. Um, but this time I want to run you through it, bring you to the tables, um, see if, uh, you know, we can pull some trades out of you or if we're going to bust all across the board here and, and fail on all these trades. Um, but we're going to see. I'm going to throw you right into the fire. Um for those who don't understand the game or don't know the game yet, basically I'm going to put a card on the table. That card is a player that I want from Adam. Um, and then I'm going to deal Adam cards, which are the players that I'm willing to give him for the said player that's already on the table. Adam will either tell me to hit, stand, or bust with the offer that I make initially, and we'll go from there. So the first name on the table, you ready for this, Adam? Oh, yeah. I'm you ready. sure? You sure? I'm a gambler 101. <laughs> My background was in poker before I did fantasy football, so uh, always ready for, oh, for a little fun. They say everybody has a price. And we're about to find out. It's time for Fantasy Trade Blackjack. Let's deal. Um, so the first name on the table is Travis Benjamin with the Keenan Allen injury. Benjamin has kind of skyrocketed in stock, you could say. Um, pe- people liked him before the injury, but obviously the injury has changed and helped him a lot. Um, so you have Travis Benjamin. I want Travis Benjamin from you. I'm, I'm feeling the upside of him. I'm going to give you Marvin Jones and Thomas Rawls straight out the gate. Um, let me know how strong my offer is there, man. Ooh, oh, man. It's super, super close for me. Um, in all honesty, I think Benjamin and Marvin Jones alone are super close, but I don't really have any interest in Thomas Rawls. Uh, I don't see him as the guy there. Um, in all honesty, I think Seattle is going to have a lot of issues getting a running game going because I don't believe in Rawls and I don't believe in Christian Michael. Uh, I do like CJ Procise there, but I think with his hand injury, he's got a lot of time before he's going to heal and being a rookie, he might not really ramp up in that offense until later in the year. So I think for me in that situation, a lot of times when I get offers where they're pretty even, where it's like, I'm trading a guy who I think is the same value as another guy, which in this situation is, you know, how I feel about Travis Benjamin versus Marvin Jones. They're very similar guys who I think both have like elite upside. Like they could finish as wide receiver ones, top 12 at their position, but more likely than not, they're going to be wide receiver twos. Um, Like I said, though, they're very similar. And when I run into situations and trades where I'm being offered a guy who's pretty similar to a guy I already have, I like to stick with the guy I already have because a lot of times there's a reason I drafted him 
And in this position, I think that I'm going to hold tight on Benjamin with that offer. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'd counter, see what I could get. But uh, for, for here, I, I would probably ask for a hit. All right. So we're going to bust because I don't want to offer more. What's funny is, you know, I was so big on Rawls coming into the season. Um, like I, I bought into the mini beast mode thing. I bought into everything because, I mean, would you say last year he didn't flash at all? I wouldn't say he didn't flash at all, um, but you just the injuries he, and the old line, you're just like not feeling it. Yeah, he's just not a guy who really has ever excited me. Um, you know, he. I don't. I don't know. You know, everybody's he, so he, low on him, but I'm just wondering if like one crazy game could get him all the way turned back around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying for sure. Um, I I don't know. You know, he's one of those players that like. He wasn't great in college. He was undrafted. And, you know, sometimes with running backs, those guys can hit. But there's nothing about Rawls that has ever jumped off the page to me. And if he's not able to do it in a situation where he, you know, is given the bell cow amount of carries, then I don't really know if it's ever going to happen for him. And gotcha. I just, you know, I just don't see it. For someone like me, I guess it's probably just best to keep him in and hope that, you know, my... My dream comes to fruition, so this will be a bust. The next offer is a guy we talked about earlier, which is Theo Riddick. Um, he obviously will get also an increase in production here for the Lions. I'm going to straight come out the gate hard at you here. I'm going to give you Charles Sims and Dorsett, two guys on the upswing right now. Will you trade me Theo Riddick for that? Oof. See, everybody take note. This is how you make trade offers. This is this, These are... These are really, really solid offers. Um, you know, having having Sims and Dorsett, uh, I think that if it was a situation for Sims similar to, um, oh god, I, I'm blanking right now. But if it was a situation for Sims where where Martin was missing a, a more extended amount of time, right now he's said to be missing three weeks. I would, you know, be ecstatic to get a trade offer like this because. I think that Sims has this sort of pedigree where he was a guy who I drafted a lot this year because he has that standalone PPR value because he is a pass catcher out of the backfield that he has this high floor as kind of like your RB2. Right. But he had this amazing ability that if Doug Martin went down, he could blow up into something huge. Now Doug Martin's gone down and it's just like, oh my God, all systems go. I'm really excited to see what Charles Sims can do. The upcoming schedule, however, isn't the most exciting for him. And with the looming chance that Doug Martin comes back, it's not something where I'm over the moon. That being said, when you include in a player like Philip Dorsett, who also has really great upside, who we touched on a little bit already in regards to him being very similar to T.Y. Hilton as far as huge playmaking ability, it would really depend for me on roster construction. Uh, you know, we're looking at things in a vacuum here. We don't have a team to go back to. So in a situation where I'm getting the offer of Sims and Dorset, I think I'm going to take it uh, because Sims does give me that high upside for while Doug Martin is out. If Doug Martin misses extended time, I feel like I won this trade outright. And if Doug Martin comes back, Sims falls back into that you know, RB2 PPR role flex position where he's going to have good weeks and they're good matchups and he's going to have that high floor from his pass catching volume. 
And then I get the benefit of Dorsett potentially being a huge breakout because he does have a lot of the same abilities as T.Y. So who knows? He could end up being the guy who doesn't see the majority of the coverage there and becomes Andrew Luck's go-to big play receiver. We got a deal. So the first deal we busted out of the gate, this one, we hit, we made it happen. And, and this is a perfect example. Me and you have discussed it on the previous episode, sort of discussed it here, but um, an example of, you know, some people say, okay, I'm giving up Sims and Dorsett, uh, you know, I'm getting Riddick, am I winning the trade? You know, just looking at the trade in a vacuum, it's kind of hard to say you're winning the trade because Sims and Dorsett will likely outscore Riddick, to, you know, combined. Um, but if Riddick alone helps your team because he's the guy you're going to start, maybe you weren't going to start Dorsett or you're going to get Riddick for a full season. Like you said, you won't get Sims for a full season in that capacity that you're getting him right now. Um, then you did win for your team, and that's what matters. Um, so it's kind of a perfect example of that. Um and so the, the next one I want to throw at you, and this is an actual trade um, that caused quite a fuss um, in a league that I'm in, and uh, I want to see you know your outside perspective on it. Um, the the player on the table is Forte, you know who, who who's done pretty well for the Jets the last couple of games, um, and the offer, you know Forte, I'm going to give you Ryan Matthews and Amari Cooper. Oh God, I couldn't hit accept fast enough. <laughs> I uh, I would be like freaking out the second that offer came in and like trying to hit accept as quickly as possible because I would think the person made a mistake <laughs> because uh, to me, I mean, you could offer Amari Cooper straight up for Matt Forte and I'm going to take that a hundred times out of a hundred and I'm going to be over the moon to do so because right now people who are excited about Matt Forte, this is what we know of a Chan Gailey offense. They're going to give the ball to Matt Forte until he breaks down. He's a 31-year-old wide or a running back. He's going to break down. That's the situation that we're in right now. He's gotten 52 rushing attempts through two games. He is on a 400-plus carry pace right now. There is no way this is sustainable. It is completely ridiculous to imagine that he's going to keep at this pace. So only one of two things is going to happen. One, Chan Gailey is going to have to finally have some sense coming into his brain, and he's going to have to limit Forte's carries, which he's never done with any running back throughout his entire <laughs> play-calling career. So the alternative is that Forte is going to look like a stud for people, and the ones who are really going to get away with murder are the ones who are going to trade him for guys like Amari Cooper, or even guys who are less so ascending, like a Stefan Diggs plus. If you could get something like that right now for Matt Forte, I'm jumping on that. Because Matt Forte is a guy who I see peaking really early and declining. And those are the type of guys who I always, always, always want to try and trade away in fantasy because it doesn't matter what they're doing right now. It only matters what happens in weeks 14, 15, and 16. If, as long as you think you have the ability to get to the playoffs, you want those guys who are going to be huge then. To me, that's always these young wide receivers and not these aging running backs. Interesting. Very interesting. Like I said, I know the guys who were involved in that trade will be listening. Um, it, it got a little ugly um, amongst them, you know, between the, you know, who the value, where the value lied on all these guys and, um, you know, what one was given up for the other. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, have them hear this, you know, from like, again, like an outside perspective, someone who doesn't know them um, and just kind of giving his, you know, view on it. Um, so I uh, can't wait till they hear it and react to it. <laughs> oh, Forte owner, enjoy those 
100 yards and three touchdowns, but just remember he did that on three yards of carry. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be tough to, to duplicate all year. Anything. Yeah, I mean, he's not doing anything astounding here, he's just getting a huge amount of carries. It's like Lamar Miller owners right now. Like, if you think that Lamar Miller is doing well, you're not paying attention. He's just getting a ton of carries, and workload is huge in fantasy. But there's two things that we know about workload a it produces fantasy points, and B, it causes people to break down. Right, right for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to, you know, uh, you know, to see how long you want to ride some of these guys out, and you know, let them win games for you. And you know, when you consider, you know, when it's time to sell, if you don't sell too late, um, it, it'll be worth, you know, to seeing how far you could take that. Um, it's like but, playing the stock market. <clears throat> it is. It is exactly like that. <laughs> so the last one I want to throw at you is another Jet player. Um, this one not starting off. He's doing the opposite of what Forte is doing, Brandon Marshall. And so I'm going to offer you straight up a guy you just mentioned a second ago. He's on fire. He's young. He's an up-and-coming player. Digs for Brandon Marshall straight up. Ooh, that... That's a close one. That's really, really close for me. Um, I really love Stefan Diggs this year, and I think that he had his coming out party on Monday night last week. Um, it was just kind of a situation where the second Sam Bradford got into that offense, Diggs was like, I finally have a reliable quarterback. This is what Teddy and I were going to do this year, and he just put on a show for everybody. With that in mind, though, Brandon Marshall is a guy who year after year has shown that he has an amazing ability. Um, You know, he has 600-plus catch seasons over the course of his career. He has four double-digit touchdown seasons. He's a guy who has really shown the ability to be great. Last year in PPR leagues, he finished as the wide receiver three, and I just see him having a higher ceiling than Diggs. And I think... Even though Marshall's struggling with injury, I would hold out for a little bit more. So I'd have to ask that you hit me on that one. All right. So I'm going to hit you. That's fair. I I understand your logic there. I'm going to give you a little bit more. I wanted to kind of, you know, come in easy on you first. I didn't want to give you everything out the gate to see if I can get you to pull the trigger on just digs. But I'm going to throw Lockett into the deal. I was high on him coming in. I'm just, you know, not feeling it right now. And so I'm willing to give you digs and Lockett for Marshall. Ooh, all right. So now things are getting interesting because I think Tyler Lockett, um, he's a guy who it was so funny in uh, in fantasy uh, off season, if you will, especially being on fantasy Twitter, because Lockett was a guy who uh, I do a lot of NFL 10s, which are my my fantasy league 10, $10 best ball leagues that uh, a lot of people on Twitter seem to gravitate to as these fun things to do over the course of the uh, the off season to still be drafting constantly and, and to get a good feel for average draft position and a really funny thing happened with Tyler Lockett which is uh, Matt Harmon of NFL.com he writes a column called Reception Perception which is this huge huge article that targeted uh, Allen Robinson before Allen Robinson had his breakout season and this year Matt Harmon decided to call Tyler Lockett the next Allen Robinson. Yikes. Yeah, exactly. Well, yikes indeed, because uh, he he almost called Stephon Diggs the next Allen Robinson. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe you should have pivoted a little, Matt, but uh, we still love you. Yeah, Matt Harmon is a, uh, a friend of the show, and his words definitely carry a lot of weight, for oh, sure. 
It's, it's and rightfully crazy. so. It's crazy how much weight his words carry. Uh, he, he's a young guy, too. I, uh, I can't remember how young he is, but uh, he's younger than me, and that always astounds me. <laughs> he's a super good dude, man. Seriously. Oh, super good super, human super being, smart. man. Super great, smart. Great person for the fantasy industry. Big shout-out to Matt. Uh, I'm sure he's listening to this. Uh, yeah, positive. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, I think that Tyler Lockett, he uh, he's a guy who... I think has that big play ability. He uh, he really flashed it last week in in the game against the Rams. Uh, he went four for ninety nine and and really showed the ability to make big plays. Um, I think that if you were to include him and Diggs for me, that that would get a deal done for Marshall because Diggs already has shown that he has this upside, and I think that uh, he's going to be reliable with Sam Bradford, and you know. Oftentimes, if I'm in a situation where a deal is close, Lockett's the exact kind of guy I want to look for because Lockett's a guy who I'm pretty sure I'm going to know by midseason if he's a guy who I want on my roster or if he's a guy who I just need to bail from because as Wilson gets healthier, uh, he's you know a guy who I think can get worked into that offense really well and. Uh, he has that huge play potential on any given week, similar like I was talking about with Dorset, who's an ideal guy who I like as my wide receiver three or flex, because on those weeks where they go off, I know that I have a better opportunity to win. Absolutely, for sure. So we got a deal done. We got a couple deals done, man. That's what I like to see. This is a, a positive fantasy trade blackjack. I wish you were in some leagues with me where I could trade with you, man, because we would have done some business. Um, so... What I want to do is, we are doing a new thing here, me and you. Um, obviously, No Halftime is a sponsor of the Cloud Dodgers podcast. Been with us almost since the beginning. Um, so big shout out to them. Great guys. Um, and we're going to do a little face-off here. We're going to do some little challenges between each other. And we're going to carry this throughout each episode that we do together throughout the season. And then, you know, see how our, how our record ends up at the end of the season. And so me and you, um, we both picked QB, a running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, and then a flex challenge. And so we'll just kind of run through these just so everyone knows uh, kind of where we're at, what we're doing, and we'll kind of keep track of these throughout the year to see uh, who you know who can reign supreme here, man, and, and no halftime. Um, so I'll, I'll give my guy, and then you give your guy that you're countering me with um, in the challenge. So we'll start with QB. Um, I'm picking Rivers. I like I like his uh, matchup this week. I think he's uh, playing from behind a lot, and so he's forced to throw the ball a lot. He's lost Keenan Allen. He's lost Woodhead. Um, so they're losing weapons, but they seem to keep pushing along. Who are you going to challenge me with if I pick Rivers? Oh, I know. And Rivers was a tough one for me because uh, I, I think that Rivers does have a lot of a lot of good opportunities this week. But uh, I decided to challenge you with Marcus Mariota, who I think on a lot of ranking sheets that you look at is going to be far below Rivers. But uh, there's some things that really jump off the page with, for me with uh, the matchup that Mariota has. So... Going against Oakland, um, they've already given up some big games to quarterbacks so far this season. Um, they are the second highest team in uh, pass attempt, or I'm sorry, TD per pass attempt rate of any team in the league. And the nice thing about Tennessee is, even though they claim to be this exotic Smash Mouse offense, and Demarco Murray's running amazing there. They actually right now have the highest red zone pass percentage of anyone in the league at 81%. So they're a team who's going to be passing in the red zone. 
Oakland's a team that can't defend the pass in the red zone, so I see this as an opportunity for Mario to have a multiple touchdown game, and I think that in uh, in a no halftime challenge like that, touchdowns are going to be really huge. Uh, you know, it's it's a league where it scored one point for, for 25 passing yards. Uh, Mariota also has the rushing ability, so if he can get some rushing yards in there too, that's something Rivers doesn't do. So I think that uh, Mariota can beat you in a few different ways, so uh, that's my pick. On that one, man, screw the money. You picked you picked a quarterback who's going against my Raiders defense, so I got some extra pride in this one. So <laughs> I really want you to lose that one. <laughs> of all of them, that one I will take more enjoyment in. The next position is running back. Now, you did mention no halftime is not PPR, um, but I still i am going with Sims. I'm going with Charles Sims because Doug Martin is out. I feel like it's a good opportunity for him to run the ball, not just catch the ball like he's used to doing for the most part. And I really, I, I think he's a guy, I know he's got some tough matchups, but I just, I think he's a guy who could really explode onto the scene um, and show what he's really working with, with the opportunity with Martin out. Um, so I'm taking the bold move and going Sims. Who will you be challenging me with, Adam? Yeah, and uh, Sims a guy who I, I love, as you already heard me talk about a little bit. Uh, he does have a tough matchup with the Rams, so that's the only reason I think that uh, I might win this no halftime challenge this week. And uh, I went with Isaiah Crowell going up against Miami. Uh, Cleveland is in dire straits, as we were talking about. They've got Cody Kessler, a rookie third-string quarterback, starting for them in Week 3. What do teams who are starting rookie quarterbacks look to do? Establish the run. Who is a running back who, throughout his career, has had no success when he doesn't get a lot of carries, but has had amazing success when he gets 15, 20, 25 carries? Isaiah Crowell. And we've already seen that this year with him. Uh, You know, he has this phenomenal yards per attempt average so far. He's averaging six and a half yards per attempt on the season, just running dirty on people. He's a guy who was highly touted coming out of college. A lot of people really expected him to to be able to kind of come as an undrafted guy and be like an Arian Foster where he makes an NFL roster and does huge things. But he didn't really do that. He's kind of had a, a tougher route about it. You know, his first two seasons, he wasn't really heavy utilized. But uh, the second that uh, the new coaching staff came into Cleveland, they seemed to have noticed that he's a guy who, if you give enough carries to, he can lead an offense. And I think that with the offense in shambles now, starting Cody Kessler, they're going to look to establish that running game. And uh, I don't really know if Miami's defense is going to be able to handle Crowell if he's getting 20 carries. Listen, and, uh, I hope Miami puts every single player in the box possible. They let Pryor, <laughs> they let Pryor run free all day long, and Kessler won't make a pass to him because he can't make a pass. And Crowell just gets stuffed every play. But I do like Crowell. I think he's underrated. And I, I, I don't know if everything stylistically matches up with, with this guy, but I always feel like he plays similar to Ivory. In a sense that he plays with, like this nastiness, like he's just like you know, you just keep feeding him the rock, and he just keeps getting meaner and meaner. I don't, I don't know, you know, stylistically if it matches up, but I just feel like they're dogs. I mean, you just give him the ball, you just keep giving the ball, you just keep giving the ball, and eventually they're gonna pound you to the point where they're gonna be productive. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally see that that comparable. Definitely, uh, they're both downhill runners and, and guys who uh, who just know how to smash mouth. And I know you probably didn't know this, but uh, I always have a few different reference tools up when I'm on podcasts. And one that I always have as a go-to is playerprofiler.com. And you just hit 
the nail on the head right there. His best comparable on playerprofiler.com is Chris Ivory. Wow. So look at you, kid. You know more than you think. Wow. Not bad, man. You did say it's a site for the layman, man. I am a layman, so <laughs> so it may just be the way it worked out. But yeah, that's the comparison I always think about, man. Um, so yeah, we'll see how that one goes out. It's gonna be interesting to see how that one plays out. The next position, wide receiver. I'm going with the guy, man. I'm I'm, I'm kind of running San Diego's here, but uh, Travis Benjamin. For some reason, I'm buying into it. I believe it. Um, I actually like Williams, you know, for San Diego too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into Travis this week. Um, I think San Diego has a good matchup. Again, I think they play uh, a high-scoring game, and I think Benjamin is kind of their go-to guy. You know, now that Keenan Allen is out, who are you gonna 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 challenge me with against my boy Travis Benjamin? Oh yeah, I, I hope San Diego just falls on their faces this week. That'd be so nice. <laughs> but uh, especially, uh, you know, that's not actually true because I've, I've got Benjamin and Scott Fishbowl, and you know, I got I got to represent in that league. So Damn you! I'm hoping that uh, that Benji is a top ten receiver, and I'm hoping that my boy, who I also have in the Scott Fishbowl, ends up being a top five receiver this week, and that is Jarvis Landry. Um, no halftime is not a PPR lead. If it was, I'd feel way more confident about this. It is not PPR scoring. Uh, but Jarvis Landry right now leads the league in receptions. He is uh, one of the top target share uh, guys in the league as well. Currently, I think he is third. Yes, he is third right now in target share. And uh, last week, he, he had a huge week, 10 receptions, 137 yards uh, in you know a big come back against New England where they, you know, seem to be mustering something up but couldn't really get it together. Now they have, I think, their first matchup that they really can take advantage of being going against Cleveland after having to face Seattle and New England back-to-back weeks. There aren't going to be a ton of opportunities over the course of the season for Jarvis Landry to get a touchdown. This is a prime opportunity. So I think if he's able to find the end zone, that's going to be a huge bonus. I actually like Landry. So, again, you're picking guys that I like, um, and so that hurts me to see that because I don't want to lose this, man, because against guys I like. But it's okay. Mariota is the only one I hate so far that you picked against me, but that's okay. Um, The next position we're going to go with is tight end. I picked Jesse James, all right? I mean, I know he doesn't have the greatest matchup, but I didn't want to go with one of the top guys. I wanted to kind of, you know, go with one of these scrappy fighter tight ends. And so I think... I like his opportunity. Again, the matchup isn't great, but I, I, I do think that he's going to do enough damage um, to beat whoever you put up against me. I think I think that this will be, a, you know, not a, not a crazy big week for tight ends, so I feel good with Jesse James and his offense that he's in um, going into this week. For sure, and uh, we both went deep for, for sure at tight end here, which I think is probably the best thing to do as far as like a, a – you know, helping our listeners' perspective because there are so many people out there who stream tight ends either because they approach drafts in that way of like, I don't want to put a lot of equity into tight end, or because they drafted Rob Gronkowski, or, you know, they made the mistake of drafting Kobe Fleener, which I told everybody was a huge mistake and we'll stick to. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Jacob Tammy is one of those guys for me who uh, who I picked up to go up against James this week who, you know, came out of nowhere. He uh, he kind of is having a career arc similar to that of like a, uh, a uh, 
Gary Barnage in the sense that, you know, late in his career, he's really, really coming on strong. And uh, I think that with, uh, with what he's been able to do in that offense from just a pure target share standpoint, he has the opportunity to be a really reliable asset at the tight end position. Over both of the first two games, he received eight targets in each of the first two games, um, which ended up ironically making him the most targeted player on the Atlanta Falcons offense, which I think most people, unless they actually look at stats each week, wouldn't realize. You know, Most people are just going to assume Julio Jones is the most targeted player in that offense. Yep. Nah, it's Jacob Tammy of all people. So it's shown that Matt Ryan really has this, you know, trust in him that he is willing to target him in a lot of different situations. And I think that with that asset of having a lot of targets, one thing that comes with that are a lot of opportunities to produce yardage. One bonus that he has is he has a really cushy matchup this week. The New Orleans Saints were the absolute worst team in the NFL last year at defending against the tight end. They have shown a little bit, you know, ability to be better this year. Uh, but they were facing Clive Walford, and they were facing uh, the New uh, New York Giants tight ends. Who, uh, even though I like Will Ty's, uh, you know, metrics a lot, he he hasn't really shown up on the field in that same sort of way. So he hasn't. They haven't really, you know, played a tight end who's been targeted heavily yet. And I think that Tammy may be the first to really exploit that defense in the way they were exploited last year. Yeah, man, that offense is rolling. That offense is rolling. Man, you got we got some good matchups going here, man. It's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out. The last guy, the last position that we're gonna do is flex, and so this could be literally anything. We can literally, I can pick a kicker if I wanted to. I can pick a QB, and you can pick a wide receiver. I mean, literally, we can go anywhere with this. I'm gonna go with the veteran Mike Wallace. Um, it seems like him and Flacco are becoming buddies. Um, he's been making some huge plays on the field, surprising to many, um, because he, you know, he showed that early on and then seemed to have lost it, you know, moving around from team to team. But, um, he seems to have made a connection with Flacco. They have a, a, a cupcake matchup this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars who have been giving up a lot of passing touchdowns this year. Um, their defense hasn't been what many people had predicted they would be. And so I like my chances with Wallace this week, of course, depending on who you challenge me with. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, this is one of the fun things about no halftime is uh, the flexing can be really any position. So like you said, I could have picked a kicker here, could have picked a quarterback. I actually decided to go with the running back position just because I wanted to rub a little bit of salt in the wound of Devonta Freeman of you because I know you're a big Freeman guy. Uh, so I went ahead and I picked Tevin Coleman, who uh, just like you know Jacob Tammy, who I was just talking about, Gets the New Orleans Saints defense this week, which is a cushy matchup against running backs. He uh, He's shown in the first two weeks that the split there is way different than anything was last year. Devonta Freeman is no longer the bell cow there. They are going to share carries. They are going to share touches. And the interesting thing in week one was that Coleman got the majority of the use in the passing game. Now, that did shift a little bit back to kind of equalizing the two of them in week two. Um, but I think with the nice matchup against New Orleans and with him getting, you know, a, a good even share of the usage there in what I expect to be just a crazy shootout, like I think a lot of people do on Monday night between Atlanta and New Orleans, think that he's going to have an opportunity to find the end zone. And that might just be enough to put us over the edge against Mike Wallace. Yeah, I see that you're not just trying to hurt my wallet here, man. You're trying to hurt me emotionally. 
<laughs> you're, you're, you're taking shots at me, man. Mariota against Oakland. Coleman, you know, it's a it's a Freeman dig. I see, it's, it's all right, man. It's all right. We can play dirty, man. We can play dirty. Um, but hopefully my wallet is a little bit fatter next week because of this. Um, for, again, if, if anyone is not a user of No Halftime yet, please get on there. Um, sign up. Use the promo code CLOCK, C-L-O-C-K. You'll get $10 straight out the gate. You know, free money to start. Um, but we're going to keep track of these. You know, and, and see how we do. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting to be five and zero after this week, so um, we'll, we'll we'll see how we how, how this goes. But this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to keep track of this. Um, now, before we go, I just got a couple more things we want to hit on. Um, I want to do foul or no foul, which we can kind of run through that really quick if you'd like. It you know it you know we can give quick answers on those, um, and then we want to get into a little bit of overreactions really quick. Um, so for the foul or no fouls, the first one I got, which again, foul or no foul, for anyone who doesn't know, um, is a staple of the Clock Dodgers podcast. It is basically me giving statements to Adam um, from you know from listeners or from other Clock Dodgers. I'm, some I made up myself, things I just see on the internet. Um, and if if he agrees with the statement that I'm reading, then he would he would say no foul. If he disagrees with the statement that I'm saying, then he thinks it's a foul. All right, Adam. So you ready for this? Always. All right, let's do this. It's that time again. Let's play another round of foul or no foul. The first one was sent in by at JJK, and he says Cooper, Amari Cooper, that is, will finish as a top three wide receiver this season in PPR. Foul or no foul? Top three? That's a foul. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean. What's the highest already. you think Cooper could finish in PPR? I mean, could finish. I mean, he could finish top three. I mean, but, you know, Stefan Diggs could finish top yeah. three. I mean, like, the could is is a little different than, you know. What do you, what is, what do you expect? What's he maybe? most probable to do? What's in his, like, range of outcomes as far as, like, what has the highest probability? I think that Amari Cooper is probably going to do what a lot of people expected him to, which is he'll be a top 12 wide receiver, but maybe, like, the back half of the top 12. Um, you know, Oakland has, has been pretty solid through the first few weeks of the season, but they also really haven't had the toughest of matchups so far. So I think it, uh, you know, it'll be one of those things where Cooper, you know, he, uh, he has his big games. He's yet to catch a touchdown, but you know, he's definitely getting the target market share of that offense. And, uh, I think that between him and Crabtree, they, they really focus on those two strong pillars and, and really relying on those two guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was going to, I was going to mention the touchdown thing, you know, that, yeah. that kind of holds him back a little bit. Exactly. And that was his biggest struggle as a rookie year. I mean, he only posted six touchdowns as a rookie season right now. He doesn't have any, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, personally, I think that, you know, to be, an elite wide receiver, you have to get into double digit touchdowns to even get into that, you know, top five, top 10 wide receiver range. And even in PPR leagues, um, also, you know, he's not a guy who has an insane catch rate either. So even though he's getting this big market share in his first season as a rookie, he had a 55.4% catch rate. He's at 55% again this year. So his catch rate is looking just like it is. Him and Allen Robinson are very similar in that sort of way, where they're these guys who are number one market share guys on their offenses, but their catch rates kind of hold them back from being as reliable as an expectation. And what we saw last year from Allen Robinson was he was able to fuel his run to being one of those top three uh, wide receivers in PPR through an insane amount of touchdowns. 
we're really going to need that same sort of high touchdown volume for Cooper to get there, and I, I just don't see it. Do you, do you like Robinson over Cooper still? I do. Um, you know, they're a lot closer now. Uh, they definitely are. I think they're probably in much similar positions because I think we're seeing a lot of uh, touchdown regression from, from Robinson this year. I, I don't think he gets anywhere near 14. Uh, he might get to 10, but uh, but I think that it's going to be a situation where both of them end up finishing as top 12 receivers, uh, barring injury, of course. Right. And, uh, you know, gotcha. probably don't finish in the top half of the top 12, though. Gotcha. All right, the next one sent in by at USA number one. USA number one is as his statement is Crowell will be a top ten running back this season. Foul or no foul. Standard or PPR? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Let's go with I like PPR, so I'm always just gonna say PPR. Okay. In PPR, it's definitely a foul. Uh, I don't think that any running back who does not catch passes is gonna have that much of an ability to finish top ten. That being said, Frank Gore finished top 10 last year, uh, but Frank Gore surprisingly does catch passes, which I think a lot of people kind of overlook. Um, Crowell, is, he's just not. He's not going to catch a lot of passes in that offense, and uh, I don't see him finishing top 10 in, in a PPR league at all. Um, top 20, maybe. Uh, but running back can often be a war of attrition, uh, as we've seen the past few years, and as we're already seeing, you know, with Two weeks into the season, the majority, I think, you know, we've got eight, nine, ten for, uh, starting running backs right now that are on the sidelines. And uh, it's it's pretty crazy. So it's hard to say where people are going to end up finishing. Um, that being said, I think the perspective that I take on a question like this is, is he going to perform like a top ten running back? And I don't think he will in PPR leagues. In standard leagues, maybe. It's possible. Uh, I, I could definitely see it. It's much more likely in standard because uh, it, it plays more to his skill set because he's not a guy who's going to catch passes. Crowell, man. Crowell getting some love, man. Finally. Hopefully he can keep it up. We'll see. You know, Hopefully it's not just two weeks and that's it. Um, the next one, again, from at JJK. Um, and his, is, his statement here on this one is, um, older players get undervalued. Um, even in redraft leagues, foul or no foul? Oh yeah, that that's no foul. That's so true. Um, I uh, I wrote an article early this summer uh, about older receivers to target in MFL tens, and in that I highlighted three. Uh, I highlighted Deshaun Jackson, Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald, of course, of the three, has been the one who so far has stood out as kind of the the best of the bunch. Um, but I think I still like Sanders and, and Jackson on the season. Um, yeah, yeah, Jackson hasn't looked bad. There, yeah, there's a lot of bleed over um, from Dynasty, I think, into redraft in regards to, uh, you know, wanting to pick the next up and coming star and, and to value youth. And I think that uh, there's something to be said for it, definitely at the running back position, because it is a position that, you know, guys get so beat down at. Um, but as far as wide receivers go, I mean, we saw Brandon Marshall last year finish as a top three wide receiver in PPR leagues. Um, I think that it wouldn't be shocking to me again if a veteran finishes in the top five. Um, they, they're guys who, you know, they create relationships with their quarterbacks where they're the most reliable asset in the passing game. 
And when you're the most reliable asset, you get the target market share. And when you get the target market share, production comes with that. So I think that, you know, these older guys have that ability to form good relationships with their quarterbacks and become that reliable asset in the passing game. And that's more what I'm looking for rather than what I'm trying to avoid. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that often veterans can really go overlooked. Yeah. Fitzgerald, one of the only uh, receivers, I think, like out of five guys or something, that had over 100 receptions last year or something like that. So um, definitely, uh, you know, undervalued in that aspect because you just assume at some point it's going to stop. <laughs> um, the next one is at Shelly. And she says uh, Latavius Murray is a sell high, foul or no foul? Uh, is he a sell high? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess he's had some decent no. weeks, you know. Yeah, and so like, people are thinking that they've seen stuff where I guess they're saying that they are going to split these carries up rather than you know Latavius Murray is a starter. That's what it is. They're saying they're really going to split these things up. So I guess yeah. some people are kind of selling on right. him now. I guess I didn't realize how well he did against Atlanta last week. Yeah. I'm just pulling it up now because he didn't really get a lot of carries. But, uh, I mean, he went 50, 57 yards on eight carries and uh, had a rushing touchdown, six receptions, 44 yards. I mean, that that's a good week right there. Yeah. Uh, that's a good week against Atlanta in a shootout. Um, and, you know, Oakland's been lucky enough to have two big shootouts so far. So I think it's inflating a lot of their stat lines. Um yeah, Latavius Murray for me is uh, is definitely a sell high. Um, so in that regard, I'm going to say no foul. Um, he's not a guy who I was really a big fan of coming into this year. Um, I think that he he does have that ability on the offense to to get a large you know portion of touches, but that's not what we're seeing so far. And I think that that's a little alarming uh, in regards to even him having a big game against Atlanta. He did it on 14 touches. Before that, he got 16, or I'm sorry, uh, he got 15 touches in week one. So this isn't a lot. You know, this is a guy who is being utilized kind of more as a, you know, change of pace role or, or a guy who um, is definitely not going to be the bell cow running back in the offense. And I think that uh, if people still perceive him as though he is that, especially with the production he's had these first two weeks, yeah, I'd be floating offers out there like crazy. Um, yeah, they got DeAndre Washington, they got Jalen Richards, and they're really giving all these guys you know, the ball. They're, they're not um, shying away from that. So it definitely hurts them there. Um, the last one I want to throw at you for foul or no foul is Travis Benjamin will do Keenan Allen numbers in PPR this season, foul or no foul. Uh, I mean, it's a foul because I don't think he'll do Keenan Allen numbers, but uh, I think that he is going to be, he's going to be really good. Um, I mean, Keenan Allen, like I said on our last podcast together, he's a guy who I was so high on this year that I drafted at ninth overall in a PPR league. And not just any PPR league, that was a NFFC, National Fantasy Football Championship, high stakes league. Um, so I was really, really high on Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen coming into the season, if he stayed healthy all the way through, had top five upside at the wide receiver position. That being said, I don't think Benjamin has that level of upside, but top 12 is definitely in his range of outcomes. And I think that... Uh, so he has Robinson, Cooper type possibility? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I think that, you know, as I was talking about with those guys, the biggest setback for me with Robinson and Cooper is their catch rate. You know, these are guys who in their rookie years had about a 50% catch rate, and they're showing to have pretty similar catch rates this year. Whereas Benjamin, you know, he's he's a guy who 
has never played with a good quarterback. I mean, Phillip Rivers is his first good quarterback that he's seen after having four years of his career with Cleveland, and he is having an insane catch rate. I mean, he's he's caught 13 of 14 receptions so far. Uh, so, you know, his catch rate is at this astounding 92.9%, and over his career, it's been below 50%. So I don't know what... Travis Benjamin will see for the rest of the year, but I am so excited to find out because he's, you know, has this amazing opportunity. And what he showed last week was that he's going to run with it. So if he does run with it, I think he does have that top 12 upside. But uh, yeah, he's a guy who, who honestly, he, he really hits that profile of boom bust, not as like a individual game prospect to me but as like a seasonal prospect to me right now, like he's a guy who could win fantasy leagues or he's a guy who could be this one week flash in the pan who just kind of fizzles out and who people are playing for way too long after this one big week. And he puts up, you know, subpar performances, but uh, I'm thinking that he's the the former rather than later. And I, I think that he does have that, that top 12 upside. Nice. Nice. We shall see, man. I'm excited about him too. All right, man. So that's it for foul or no foul. Before we go, I just want to do, um, I want to have a little bit of fun here. Top, well, we've been having fun the whole time. What am I talking about? Um, Top three overreactions after week three. So we're just going to kind of do a little prediction here, um, you know, try to be profits in our own right, and just kind of predict the top three overreactions that we think people will have um, following week three games. Um, You want to start first or you want me to start first? can go ahead okay so well you want to go one for one or just list them all first and then you list all yours i uh, will go one for one okay all right so my first overreaction that we're going to get here and i i, I think uh, today today proved it i think people will be screaming to sell rob gronkowski and i think that'll be a mistake but i think you know he's been injured he comes back he gets zero receptions i think people will start to panic um and i think they will scream to sell gronkowski and i think that'll be a big mistake that's a that's a good one uh my first overreaction goes right in that same vein but in a very different direction also patriots related i think after their 27 to nothing blowout win against houston and having done it with their third string rookie quarterback people are going to be saying after this week that the patriots are going to go undefeated this year and how many times have we heard that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they almost did it, remember? Yeah. Oh, God, that was fun as a non-Patriots fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that was a good one. Um, my second one um, is going to be Jamal Charles is is done. He's finished. Um, I think they have a tough matchup this week, and I know he's coming back. And I think people are not going to, you know, give him time. They're going to think, oh, he should come back. He should be the old Jamal Charles. And I just think with the tough matchup, the rust, um, splitting carries with where, I think it's going to cause Jamal Charles owners to panic a little bit. Um, they're already kind of panicking because of his age and, and the injuries. Um, but I think they're going to panic a little more. And you could probably get Jamal Charles um, for a lot less following week three. God, that would be awesome. (laughs) I would be targeting him everywhere. Um, Yeah, but uh, that's a really good one, and I think that's a good one for listeners to kind of keep in mind that uh, if that does happen, I think that's even better for uh, non-Charles owners than than Charles sitting again another week, even though you you may have Charles going up against you this week. If he plays and doesn't do a lot, 
those Charles owners are going to start getting yeah. nervous. And uh, I think that that's really the wrong reaction to have. Um, you know, with guys like Charles, they've sh- he's shown over his career, like, um, you know, people joke on Twitter, uh, shout out to 14 Team Mocker, because he keeps this as one of his parts of his brand constantly. And, and he calls JC the Lord and Savior uh, based on his initials. And, you know, in, in JC, we trust. And uh, I, uh, I think that uh, it's, it's important to keep that in mind. So if, he, if he's a guy who does not do well this week, float some offers out there yeah. next week and see where people are at on him. Because if they are looking to sell, you might be able to get him at a value. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that Charles could be a huge, huge asset come playoff time. Yeah, I think there's a good chance the overreaction will be a lot of people will lose faith in JC, man. Oh, I gotta keep the faith. <laughs> All right. So uh, my number two here is that after this exciting Monday night match that we're gonna get, where Atlanta and New Orleans are gonna each score a hundred points and uh, play it like it's a you know basketball game, um, that people are going to look at Matt Ryan and see that he has three top ten fantasy quarterback performances and call him a guy who is a top five fantasy QB rest of season. And that I think is going to be a huge overreaction because if you just take a look at his schedule, the next three weeks he plays against Carolina, Denver, and Seattle. And that is going to be way more difficult than the first three weeks that he's seen. And I don't know. Yeah, he has had some big weeks too. The first two weeks he, he killed it. I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been on fire. And, uh, you know, this matchup against New Orleans is prime for him to take advantage of, too. But uh, if I'm a Matt Ryan owner, I am trying to sell real high after this week and hope people don't look at the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I agree, man. I agree with you on that one. Um, the last one I'm going to throw out there. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think it will happen. All right. The last one I'm, gonna th- I'm, I'm throwing out here, and, and this is kind of for – the bargain shoppers out there who do look to buy low on guys. Um, and, and I could be totally off on this one, but I just feel like, okay, there's some people who really like Watkins, right? Sammy Watkins. Um, I recently traded him. I got a decent return on him. So I believe there's people who still believe in his potential. I believe you do, correct? Yeah, I do. Okay. So I think he's going to have a rough week this week because of their matchup and because of the whole foot situation. And I think there are going to be people who who overreact and say, okay, here's your opportunity to really buy super cheap on Watkins. Um, So I think the overreaction is that they're going to say to buy low on Watkins, which I do not agree with. I don't think – I just – for some reason, I can't get on board with him, man. And I know you could probably sell it to me, but I just can't get on board with him. I think buying him low, buying him at all is a bad idea. I just – I hear the foot thing, man, and I and I hear him say like, "Yeah, I just gotta manage it all season." And it just doesn't sound good to me um, oh, for a wide receiver to be talking about his foot, and he's gonna have to manage it all season. And 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 I get worried when I see him not even get targets, and it's just I don't know, man. I think people are gonna try to buy low on him and maybe give up stuff that still have more value than Watkins will the rest of the year. I would love for him um, to turn it around, but I just don't see it, man. And I know that hurts for you to hear that, but I had to do it. You know, I mean, you know, I'm a big Watkins guy. I even bought low on him literally this week. See, uh, see, Adam would have yeah. told you. 
I know, I know. I traded away uh, LeGarrette Blunt and uh, Ryan Matthews and acquired LaShawn McCoy and uh, Sammy Watkins, so I'm all in on the Rex train wreck. But uh, <laughs> that being said, I, I think that you kind of, I mean, you nailed it in regards to Sammy. The biggest issue right now is he's playing through that foot injury. If they would, you know, not be in this situation where they're playing for Rex Ryan's terrible, terrible job to stay, um, they would be sitting Sammy Watkins right now and letting him heal while they let Tyrod be the Tyrod Taylor Ty God that he is <laughs> and run an offense like an actual NFL offense where he's able to, you know, run it through the quarterback. How 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 insane would that be if they actually just open up the offense and let Tyrod go? Such a crazy oh idea. Such I a know, crazy right? Idea. They're your best playmaker. You're just a madman for go. thinking about that. I know. You're nuts. Well, you know when when you uh, when you have Rex Ryan as your coach, it uh, it doesn't really work out that way. But they did talk about wanting to get their playmakers the ball more. So it'll be interesting to see what that means for Sammy Watkins. Um, I think that the biggest benefit for him would be sitting out, but I don't see that as what happens. So it could be a situation like Des Bryant, where throughout the entirety of the year, he struggles with this lingering issue. The difference, however, is that Des Bryant didn't have Tony Romo throwing him the ball last season. And I think that if he did, we may have seen a different Des Bryant. With Tyrod, I'm sorry, with Tyrod being there to help out Sammy, through this injury process, I can see Sammy struggling over the next few weeks, but the reason I'm looking to acquire him in leagues and the leagues that I have him, I'm looking to just hold him on my bench is because he does have that high elite upside that I'm looking for come playoffs. And if I can make my fantasy playoffs, he's a guy who I think by then will be healthier and has the ability to explode and be a guy who wins me fantasy championships. It is possible. And you know, I like to give credit where it's due. You did say that Rex Ryan was going to be fired. You basically said it like any minute now type of thing. Like, this guy needs to go. And, you know, I don't know if you put a curse on the team or what, but they turn around and they fire Greg Roman. And I was like, damn, that was pretty That was pretty accurate. That was pretty quick. That was pretty close. Um, and so maybe, you know, Rex Ryan is, is the next one out the door. But, uh, you know, I got to give you credit, man. And, and I do think that helps everybody on the offense for some reason i just feel like it it's going to benefit everybody and uh you know we'll see but you keep calling for rex's head man other people are going to get fired yeah i know greg roman jumped in front of that like he was a secret <laughs> service member protecting the president <laughs> oh my god yeah that that's a great call guys let's uh let's put up you know oh god i can't even remember how many points they put up last week but you know 20 plus 30 plus points most points that they've tyrod balled out Exactly. And uh, who are we going to, you know, cut away? Oh, it's the offensive coordinator's fault. Oh, really? Uh, okay, guys. Maybe it's because the uh, defensive coordinator is the head coach's brother. But yeah, sure. We'll just ignore that. He did so well in New Orleans. All right. He did so well everywhere he went. I know, right? Oh, God. Rants over. All right. So my, uh, my last overreaction is that uh, people are going to look at week three and see these uh, fill-in running backs, particularly Jarek McKinnon and Charles Sims, have tough weeks against the Carolina and L.A. defenses, and people are going to think that they were overrated. And I think that that is going to be a huge overreaction, 
and I think that they're going to be great buy low options after uh, week three, if that is what incurs, because I think McKinnon and Sims both have the pedigree to be huge, huge RB, RB1 talents uh, for fantasy. And, uh, and yeah, if, if they struggle in week three, I'll be uh, throwing a lot of offers out there for them. Throw your offers out for Washington too, guys. Don't, don't listen to Adam. <laughs> He's gonna be good. No, <laughs> no, but seriously, man, I I think I think you're right on that one as well. I think you know pretty on point with the overreactions. I think we kind of narrowed them down, man. I think it's gonna be fun to see after these week three games how how close we are uh, on some of these things. I don't think we're too off, man. I don't think we're too far off. Um, so that's it for today. I mean, this is the podcast that we're that we love so much and that we're so dedicated to it that we did it twice. um so for the clock dodgers out there we appreciate you guys so much that we did it twice um it was fun um i appreciate adam again we're gonna we're gonna me and adam are gonna try to do this every single thursday for you guys get it out there before you know friday or saturday or something get it out there for you guys um so big shout out i appreciate you adam you know for taking that on um you know of course check out adam's articles on the site uh, I got targeting targets, running back archetype, so much different stuff coming. Um, I appreciate that. I mean, do you have anything else that we missed here, man? Anything that you want to shout out? Of course, I don't no, know where to find uh, you. I don't know where to find you, of course. But. Oh, yeah, of course. You can find me on clockdodgers.com, guys. Exactly. But, uh, but, yeah, I'll have another targeting targets uh, hopefully coming out either uh, Friday or Saturday of this week, uh, depending on when this podcast launches. It might already be out there, so please go to clockdodgers.com and look for it. Uh, I also will tweet it out on Twitter, so you can always find me on there at the other FF guy. And now let's wrap this thing up and hope it saves this time. <laughs> oh, it will save, my friend. They better save because if it doesn't save, we're gonna have no episode to put out. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, no, you're guys. Also, uh, reach out to us on Twitter. You know, um, at Clock Dodgers or at the other FF guy. Let us know some of the no halftime challenges that you guys are doing. It'd be interesting to see. Um, you know what you guys feel are the are the good you know guys to target this week as far as you know what you think is the easy uh, the easy challenges to get you guys some money and, and to get some wins under your belt. Um, so tweet at us. Let us know what you guys think. And Adam, man, you can finally get some sleep. This was the uh, hour-long podcast or hour and a half, whatever it was that you know was took three hours to do. It might be the first <laughs> one ever. So <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Always appreciate you too, Neil. Thank uh, you. No problem, man. See you later. Big shout out to Adam for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You guys know where to find him on Twitter. In case you don't, it's at the other FF guy. Again, that's Adam Cahill. You can also find his articles on clockdodgers.com. The article he was mentioning, the new Target and Targets uh, article for week three, is out on the site right now. If you haven't already checked it out, I highly, highly recommend it. While you're there, don't forget to check out your uh, DST articles by Josh Crocker, the NFL Split Tens by Eddie, um, and other. And there's other stuff on there. There's a letter to Gurley on there uh, from my boy Swagzilla. Um, you got to check that out. It's one of the funniest things you'll find on the internet. Um, and you know, other things are on there, the rankings and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you guys check that out. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at clock Dodgers, email us at clockdodgers at gmail.com. If you have any questions or anything you want to talk about, man, if you just need a friend, hit me up, email me, I'll, I'll respond, you know, <laughs> find me on the fantasy life app, app, at profit in the clock Dodgers chat, join the chat. You can also find me on Sleeperbot. uh, at clock Dodgers pod is the name on there. Um, so check me out on any of these sites. You know, I'm always talking fantasy football on there. It's kind of my thing. Kind of my thing. If you haven't got that drift by now, it's kind of my thing. Um, however, I am a little bit under the weather 
right now. I don't feel great. You may be able to hear it in my voice. So I'm going to keep this short. You guys know where it's at, man. Hit me up wherever you want to see me. Clockdodgers.com. That's the destination. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave, leave, leave a review. Come on, guys. Come on. It, do, it doesn't take long. Just leave a review and it helps so much. And I really appreciate it. Clockdodgers.com. Clockdodgers on iTunes. Stitcher. Bookmark the site. Hit me up. You know what it is, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to stop by clockdodgers.com and follow us on Twitter.